it said women and minorities have to work a lot harder to compete in business, and I believe it. But how might they actually do that? Well, they apply uncommon sense, and we can all learn from a good example. Welcome to Uncommon Sense. I'm Randy Cassingham. Just a quick note before I tell the story. This is the first episode in a while, the first one this year even, because I was working on a big project that I started in August. Sorry for the silence, and I'll be revealing what the project is in upcoming newsletters. Frida Rappaport-Kaplan was determined to break into a business that, especially at the time, was completely male-dominated. Kaplan didn't think the way to break in was to try to be like the men. I couldn't compete with all the boys on the big items, she told a reporter from the Pasadena, California Star News in 2003. So I built the business selling things that were different. What was she selling? Produce to supermarkets. It's a tough cutthroat business, but let me tell you how she got there. Born in Los Angeles to Russian immigrants in 1923, Frida Rappaport was raised in the same neighborhood my mother was, Highland Park. Mom was born just a short time later. In 1945, Frida graduated from UCLA with an economics and political science degree. She got a job in a lawyer's office. He represented the CIO, the Congress of Industrial Organizations, a federation of labor unions whose name lives on today in the union AFL-CIO. In 1951, she married the president of a longshoreman's union, Alfred Kaplan. A few years after that, they had their first child, a daughter, Karen, and a second daughter, Jackie, after that. Frida wanted to go back to work, but she had to be selective in choosing a job. She wanted a flexible schedule so she could breastfeed Karen. Her husband's uncle owned Gumara Brothers, a seller at the Los Angeles Wholesale Produce Market. He hired Kaplan as a bookkeeper, even though she didn't know bookkeeping or the produce business. She had to learn fast because not long after, the owner went on vacation and Kaplan had to work the sales floor. It's the late 1950s now and produce markets looked a lot different than they do today. It was typical for them to have onions, apples, and lettuce, but they probably would only have one variety of each. It wasn't, give me a case of Fuji apples and a case of Brayburns. It was, give me two cases of apples. And they took what was available, and they probably had never heard of Fujis or Brayburns. They likely wouldn't even know what sweet onions were. They were just onions. Did you want some or not? Gumara Brothers did have one thing that was a bit unusual, portobello mushrooms. Normally at the market, it was the little white button mushrooms or nothing. So Kaplan thought she'd try to sell them, since no one was coming to her to buy them. The produce sellers considered portobellos exotic. <laughs> Even though all portobellos are, is the fully grown version of the immature white button mushrooms. Imagine if they saw oyster mushrooms or, heck, even shiitakes. She finally caught the attention of one buyer who said he'd take some. But, uh-oh, his 500-ish pound order was far more than the Gumara brothers had in stock. Not wanting to lose the sale, Kaplan called around to their suppliers and no one had enough to fill the order. 
Undaunted, she went to one of the mushroom farms they worked with and found the employees were picking, yes, portobello mushrooms. She offered to help, and that's how she was able to get enough to fill the man's order. And that experience, selling something just a bit different, set the course for her life. Frida continued to work the sales floor, learning the business. She especially enjoyed talking with the small farmers at the market, learning about what they grew. Of course, they mostly grew what they knew would sell well to grocery store buyers at the market. But she learned about other things they grew, produce that simply grew really well in their soil, or things that were used in their cultural dishes. Kaplan didn't know about any of that. She didn't cook. In 1962, Gamara Brothers' next-door neighbor moved out, and she leased the space. By then, Kaplan knew the business pretty well and had figured out how she'd stand out and be different. She was not only the first woman in the business in Los Angeles. Entrepreneur Magazine later said she was the first woman to launch, own, and operate a wholesale business in the male-dominated U.S. produce industry. The first one in the country. She opened Frida's Specialty Produce on April 2, 1962, and the small farmers already knew she was the go-to distributor for anyone offering something unusual. The other people on the market were only interested in high-volume items, she said later. Small farmers had no place to go. Nobody was interested. So I started listening to all these small farmers. Her uncommon sense is starting to become quite apparent. Success, she said, was a matter of finding people who were innovative and progressive and getting them together with people who had something to offer. Did she have trouble as the only woman at the wholesale market? Once they got over the fact that I was a woman and they learned they could make money with the items I was selling, she said, I had no problems. But she was way ahead of their game. We were a meat and potatoes society in the 1960s, says Ben Faber, a University of California Cooperative Extension farm advisor and an expert on specialty crops. Who the hell had heard of jicama or spaghetti squash? Frida was able to tap into aspirations that people had after the Second World War, he said, something new and different other than mac and cheese. Early on in Frida's business, a buyer from Safeway heard that Frida's produce was the place to go for unusual items, and he had an unusual request. He had recently been to New Zealand and found a fruit there he really liked. He asked, can she get him Chinese gooseberries? She had never heard of them, but she kept her eyes open, and sure enough, a broker walked through the wholesale market later with a box, and she was the only one who wanted them. But they sure looked unappetizing. Someone asked her one day, so what does that Chinese gooseberry look like, remembers her daughter, Karen. And she said, horse turds. <laughs> Kaplan knew it would be tough to sell Chinese horse turds, so she decided to come up with a new name. The Safeway buyer had discovered them in New Zealand. New Zealanders have been known by an affectionate nickname since World War I, after their native bird, the kiwi. Kaplan renamed the gooseberries kiwi fruit, and they started selling. It was the first commercial fruit being introduced to the United States since the banana in the 1880s, said the Washington Post 
in a 2019 profile. It was far from an overnight success story, Frida said. It took about 18 years before kiwi were easy to find in just about every produce section of American supermarkets. But persistence is another trait of uncommon sense. Her introduction of new varieties didn't stop with kiwi fruit. You can thank Frida for popularizing mushrooms beyond the plain white button variety, including shiitakes and mangoes, passion fruit and star fruit, blood oranges. Most wholesalers had carrots. She had baby carrots. Everyone had peas. She had sugar snap peas. For every bell pepper, she had shishitos and habaneros. Everyone had onions. She had shallots. During the summer, when other sellers offered watermelons, she introduced the world to seedless watermelons. If a wholesaler had pears, she had dragon fruit. If they had potatoes, she had jicama. You get the idea. Our problem in introducing new vegetables has never been the consumer, she said in the late 70s. It's only been with the retailer who is afraid to try anything new. Frida had a fondness for the color purple, so she was gleeful to also introduce purple potatoes and purple sweet potatoes to the market. Maybe by then, the retailers weren't so afraid. Frida endeared herself to the produce industry at large by telling a story with each item, and that has become their company's trademark, said North Carolina produce merchandiser Richard McKellogg. Shoppers are maneuvering the aisles with hundreds of choices, he continued. Frida's tells the story and provides the information to retailers with a level of detail and knowledge that I could never personally keep up with myself. They took uncommon items, spaghetti squash, sugar snap peas, and made them common. She also helped sell produce that most households had never seen by including recipes, even though still she never did learn how to cook herself. That was made easier by another of Frida's innovations, packaged fruits and vegetables rather than dumping items into a bulk bin. I'll put some examples on the show page. I grew up in Southern California, and there's one bit of produce I knew that we often didn't find in grocery stores. My dad, who was born in New Mexico, liked Mexican food, and now and then he'd take the family to Rusty's Hacienda in North Hollywood. The tacos there were fantastic, and each had a thick slice of ripe, creamy avocado no matter what time of year it was. My dad would buy avocados in the grocery store, but those were horrible. I learned the difference. Those were so-called Florida avocados, fuertes, which was the only variety most stores had for years. But a guy in Southern California named Rudolph Haas had a single tree that grew a different variety of avocado that no one had ever seen or tasted before. That was the rich and creamy variety that Rusty's used. In 1935, Haas got the first ever U.S. patent on a tree, and every one of the millions of trees that grow Haas avocados today, now the leading variety, are descendants of that very first one Haas grew. And so, I sold the first pallet of Haas avocados, Frida told the Orange County Register, which eventually relegated the flavorless, hard, watery fuerte to the obscurity it deserved. 
Still, I had to laugh that even those were called exotic by the grocers of the day. I was also amused to learn that one of Frida's customers was another Los Angeles business, Desilu Studios. They needed weird, even alien-looking fruits for a TV show they were making, Star Trek, and later Paramount for Star Trek's Deep Space Nine. There have always been exotic food items, Kaplan said after 10 years in the business. We just showcased them, dressed them up, and sold them. And here's a telling quote from the same time. You gotta hand it to her, somebody told a reporter in 1972. She made something from nothing. There isn't a produce man in the market who doesn't take his hat off to her. A short time later, Frida was the first woman to receive, from the industry journal The Packer, the Produce Man of the Year Award, which she refused to accept until they renamed it. They did, to the Produce Marketer of the Year, and had a new plaque made. Success came, Frida said later, because I never saw obstacles. That is definitely an uncommon sense approach to life, let alone business. Throughout her career, she was responsible for introducing more than 200 fruits and vegetables to American supermarkets. And I do mean American supermarkets, not just those in the Los Angeles area. When I went to Frida's website, I clicked over to their Where to Buy page. They opened a map to show where in my rural western Colorado area I could find some of their offerings. Every grocer that I even occasionally go to is their customer. The Safeway, the two Kroger's, the Walmart, and even the tiny independent Uray Grocery. Then I clicked on their Products tab, which showed their most popular items, and a link to see all of their products. That page was headlined, You're weird, I like you. My kind of attitude. As I browsed their offerings, I knew most of them, like Romanesco, but definitely not all of them, like Chiote. And who knew that asparagus, snow peas, and kohlrabi came in purple? Look them up if you're curious. I'll include a link on the show page. Her introduction of kiwi made people less risk-averse to try new things, says Cal Poly San Luis Obispo's Agribusiness Department Chair, Marianne McGarry-Wolf. That university granted Kaplan an honorary doctorate. The Los Angeles Times says that after 56 years in business, Frida's specialty produce had 75 full-time and 110 part-time employees with sales all over the world exceeding $50 million per year. Frida still showed up to work every day, even though she had turned the business over to her daughters. President and CEO Karen Kaplan, who started working in the company when she was 10, moving to full-time after earning her degree in agricultural economics and business management from the University of California, Davis. Karen followed in her mother's footsteps by being elected the first female chair of the United Fresh Produce Association and the first female president of the Fresh Produce and Floral Council of Southern California. And, she notes, she does know how to cook. The chief operating officer is her younger sister, Jackie Kaplan Wiggins, who also went to work at Frida's at 10, moving to full-time after earning her degree in business administration from San Diego State, and then traveling around the world for three years, during which time I'm pretty sure she learned about foods wherever she went. The story of Frida's produce is far from over. 
Because when you have uncommon sense, you don't assume you'll live forever. You set up plans well in advance so what you built can live on. Frida's business does, even though Frida herself died in January 2020 at 96 years old. And we are all eating better because of her. And the company is likely to continue in the family for some time. Karen's daughter, Alex Berkeley, is Frida Inc.'s Director of Sales after graduating from George Mason University and was named one of the 40 under 40 to watch in the business by Produce Business Magazine. Clearly, uncommon sense runs in the family. The show page for this episode is thisistrue.com slash podcast 88, which has photos of Frida Kaplan and some of her more exotic produce, the link to the company's website, and a place to comment. I'm Randy Cassingham, and I'll talk at you later.